Angus at Work, a podcast for the profit-minded cattlemen. Brought to you by the Angus Beef Bulletin, we have news and information on health, nutrition, marketing, genetics, and management. So let's get to work, shall we? Welcome or welcome back to the Angus at Work podcast. I'm your host, Miranda Ryman. Today's segment features a little bit of the future, a little bit of what's already happening now as it relates to animal health, and a term you may or may not be familiar with, metaphylaxis. A few years ago, I was in the seats at the Feeding Quality Forum, hosted by Certified Angus Beef, when I heard Dr. John Richardson speaking about the idea that sometimes the best thing we can do for a pen of high-risk cattle is to treat them all. Of course, with increasing public scrutiny on antibiotic use and the advent of new technologies, he predicted some advancements in that space in the coming years. So, fast forward. I caught up with him recently to ask about how that was going. Have we made any progress? And here's our conversation. John, why don't you start out by just telling us a little bit, a little bit more about yourself and your position you're in now. Sure. Well, currently I am the Paul Engler Professor of Beef Cattle Feedlot Management at West Texas A&M University. And so how I got to this point, I grew up in uh, central Oklahoma and just grew up around agriculture and cattle in particular and was into FFA and actually judged meats in FFA and was lucky to get a scholarship to meets judge at a junior college, transferred to Oklahoma State University where I got my bachelor's degree in animal science there. I took my first job after college was working for a major cattle feeding company in southeastern Colorado. I spent a couple of years with that company, decided to get my master's degree at that time at Texas Tech University, graduated from Texas Tech, took another job after that um, educational experience with the, uh, the University of Arkansas and the extension, cooperative extension service there. Uh, did extension work for about four years, helped cow-calf and stalker producers in the state of Arkansas with just general management practices. Loved doing that, but um, decided to get my PhD at that point and got my PhD at the University of Arkansas working in uh, beef cattle, health and immunology. First job after my PhD was here at West Texas A&M. I've been here about 11 years and haven't haven't left yet. So enjoy working here at at WT. Um, I teach, but primarily I would say uh, most of my time is spent on research. We have a, a research feedlot facility just east of campus where we are constantly doing different nutrition and health and management research trials for uh, various companies or uh, funding through the government or self-funded projects. So, Excellent. Sounds like it's a great facility to be able to, to tap into it to answer some of these questions. It is, yeah. It's, it's great to be able to to do the research, to train graduate students and undergraduates at that facility. And it, it helps me as a scientist to see 
see those projects take place and develop and, and learn the results. It's, it's really fun. Excellent. Well, the topic that we're going to be talking about today is metaphylaxis um, and ways to, to perhaps uh, more targeted metaphylaxis in the feed mm-hmm. yard. Um, before we get into that discussion, maybe for those who are less familiar with the term, can you give me just kind of a basic definition of what we're talking about? Yeah, so metaphylaxis is the mass medication of a group of cattle with an FDA-approved antimicrobial used to control bovine respiratory disease. And so we would typically do this in cattle that are at higher risk for a BRD outbreak. And because, because it's difficult to diagnose this disease and because we found through research that this practice is so effective, um, you know, we give every animal that's classified as high risk during initial processing might get an injection of an antimicrobial to control the disease outbreak. Excellent. So definitely just preventative medicine in this case. Exactly. Yeah. Targeted metaphylaxis that we'll talk about more today would be further refined at the individual animal level. And so we know that not every animal in that group that receives metaphylaxis needs an antimicrobial or or benefits from that antimicrobial treatment. It's just historically been extremely difficult to know which animals really need it and might benefit from it and which animals are going to go on to remain healthy and may not need that antimicrobial treatment at that time. And so the targeted approach really is using different metrics to evaluate BRD risk at the individual animal level rather than the population level that we've done in the past. So it's, it's a very important practice. Um, that being said, it's important that we preserve uh, the ability to, to use that and uh, hopefully try to judiciously use antimicrobials for metaphylaxis so that they remain effective and so that, um, you know, we're doing what consumers are asking us to do, which is to, to be as judicious as we can in, in antimicrobial use. Absolutely. And I should probably back up one step for, for those folks who probably aren't as involved in the feeding industry. Just explain to me exactly what happens when a set of cattle comes into a feed yard how are decisions made about antibiotic use and those kind of things? Yeah, so uh, antimicrobial metaphylaxis is, is usually administered um, during initial processing in injectable form. And there are certain antimicrobials that are FDA approved to do that. And we, we, we don't do that to every animal arriving in our feedlot. We preserve that practice for what we call higher risk cattle. And those cattle would be cattle that may have been um, procured from the auction market system and or may have traveled a long distance to get to the feed yard. Uh, They may be lighter weight animals. Several different traditional metrics that we've always used that we know are associated with higher risk for BRD outbreak. And so we'll classify a a truckload or a a pen or a lot 
as high risk and make the decision whether or not to, to implement antimicrobial anaphylaxis based on relatively limited information, but we know some information about every set of cattle that we receive, so. So really based on, on history today, not necessarily biologically on that animal and, and mostly, and mostly on a pen basis or yes. load by load basis. Load by load basis or a group basis anyway, it's population medicine. And so, and yeah, usually just group metrics, right? Um, not anything individual, but based on how the group was uh, put together, purchased and distance and those things that I mentioned. Excellent. So if that's working fairly well today, but we're looking into the future as to maybe like what could be different, why are we even looking at maybe some alternative options to, to this method? Well, we know that even if a group of animals is classified as high risk, um, very rarely or, or almost never would every single animal in that group become sick or ill with BRD. And so we, we are very confident that within that population, there are certainly uh, cattle that need the antimicrobial on arrival and benefit from it. And it probably improves their overall health standing by getting that on arrival. But there's certainly cohorts in every group that would have remained healthy um, otherwise with or without the antimicrobial metaphylaxis given on arrival. And so are there different things we can do to take a look within that high-risk population and more scrutinize the individual animal and whether or not individuals do or do not need antimicrobial metaphylaxis based on their health risk? So if that's something that's being studied today, why isn't it already being implemented? What have been kind of some of the barriers to, to being able to do that? Well, it's, it's very complicated, right? Anytime we're talking about um, biological systems, it's, it's not easy, right? So th there's a number of biological metrics that have been evaluated. Um, there's other things, uh, management type things that we may know from individual cattle as well. But, but the big challenge, and really with metaphylaxis, you're, you're trying to really predict the health risk. You're not necessarily trying to diagnose. And so that makes it even more challenging because we're based on a blood sample or their leukocyte count or some sort of biomarker or or microbiome or genetics, we're trying to determine whether that animal is likely to become sick three, four, five, six, seven days down the road. And so that makes it even more challenging uh, to, to try to predict BRD outcome versus trying to diagnose it. And so that's been one, that's one of the major challenges is being able to do that and doing it effectively and also doing it timely, right? So any kind of test ideally would be shoot side and would not require a laboratory analysis um, outside of the feed yard, right? To where we have to run cattle back through a second time to administer antimicrobial to. Absolutely.
And so has that been your team that's been doing some of that research? Tell me kind of some of the work that's been going on in this area. Yeah, so our, our research team has worked on it. Others have as well. Um, there's a, a, a company, Advanced Animal Diagnostics, that has a, a blood test platform that evaluates fairly rapidly the, the leukocyte count in cattle. And based on research that they've done um, and an algorithm, algorithm that they have put together, uh, their, their machine is able to produce like a red light or a green light, which indicates high or, or lower risk for illness in the feed yard at arrival. And so that, that's one method. We've been doing some research lately and published a, an article recently where the cattle that we get in we noticed that these are high-risk cattle that we use for our research projects a lot. Um, they're sourced from auction markets from an order buyer. And we notice, you know, a, a percentage of these cattle arrive at our feedlot with a pre-existing ear tag. They have a tag in their ear when they show up. Some of them don't have a tag at all, very clean ears. But we decided to look retrospectively at the health and performance of cattle that arrived with an ear tag versus those that did not. And indeed the cattle with an ear tag at arrival had significantly less morbidity, significantly less mortality and significantly greater gain performance than those that did not arrive with the tag. So what that tag indicates, it's simply a proxy for previous management, right? If I buy calves from an auction market and they have a tag in their ear, I know that cow-calf producer that originally owned that calf has at least taken the time to tag that calf. And therefore it's probably more likely that that animal's been vaccinated. It's probably more likely that that animal has been on a better nutritional program, maybe had a mineral nutritional program. And so, the tag and arriving with a tag in cattle purchased from auction markets seems to be another way to predict health outcome. That's pretty interesting to me. So it's really like you can look at biology or you can look at correlated behavior really is what that is. Uh, right, nice. right. And it was significant enough that, that you would say, hey, if they were coming into my feed yard, I'd use that as one of my tools. Mm -hmm. And it's significant enough, we use that as we randomize and allocate animals to research trials. Mm -hmm. We consider whether they have a tag or not and try to distribute those equally across the experimental treatments that we're evaluating to make sure that we have a fairly equal number of calves with or without ear tags at arrival across our treatments. Just makes for better research as well, because we know uh, at least... In, in early evaluation, if they have a tag, their morbid, morbidity rate's about half as much as if they don't. That's huge. It's really huge. Yeah. Are there any of these methods that are further along than others, or is everything kind of in the, we're trying it out and seeing what's working stage? Yeah, so certainly the commercialization aspect, the, the advanced animal diagnostics 
uh, QScout platform is fairly far along. Uh, they've done quite a bit of research and development for several years now. Um, uh, Merck Animal Health has the Whisper stethoscope system. That's really not a, a stethoscope anymore. <laughs> it's simply a, a pad on a on a stick that you hold up, you know, in the same area of the animal. But they they've uh, tested and evaluated that at arrival processing as well to to try to predict BRD outcome, which that device you know listens to the lung oscillations, the sound of the breathing of the animal and also considers heart rate and some other variables as well. And, and again, uh, they've developed an algorithm to try to help the producer determine yes or no, should I give this animal antimicrobial metaphylaxis? Those, those two would be uh, some of the commercial efforts that I'm familiar with uh, addressing or trying to um, support this targeted metaphylaxis concept. What will it take to have wide adoption across the industry? Well, if, if, if the system works, I don't think you'll have to convince many producers, right? Because if I'm able to refine which animals really need metaphylaxis, and let's say only half of those cattle really need it and half don't, that that's obviously instantly a, a very su substantial savings and drug cost for the producer. And there's quite a bit of money on the table to both pay for the, the test or the equipment, as well as capture some savings uh, by better refining antimicrobial use and, and reducing overall drug cost. And so that, that's a great thing. Um, uh, it's also great for our industry from a sustainability standpoint and, uh, you know, efforts to show our consumers that we are trying to find ways to reduce antimicrobial use in beef cattle production. And so it's a win-win for everyone, I think, um, as, this, uh, as this concept is further developed and becomes uh, used more widespread. And in the absence of, of maybe widespread use of these technologies, are there things that we can do in the meantime, maybe just conveying information about sets of cattle or things that, that could help that don't require a technology even? And An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, right? And so I still encourage cow-calf producers to do everything they can to precondition their calves if that's uh, an option and if that's feasible, because certainly uh, when we talk about vaccinations, um, that's when vaccines I believe are most effective is when they're administered before the cattle are stressed and challenged. Uh, but those management things we do in preconditioning like you know weaning at the ranch, castration, dehorning, those things that are stressful uh, are, are much, uh, much better to be spread out, right, and done at the ranch rather than after that animal has gone through marketing and arrival and transport in a feed yard. Absolutely. 
So if we look ahead, you know, if it's another couple of years, then I think, gosh, I should check back in with, with Dr. Richardson. What kind of things will you be working on that you, you hope that you've solved maybe by then? Yeah, I hope, I hope to see some, some randomized controlled research, more of it looking at this targeted metaphylaxis. So whatever it is we decide to use, whether it's the QSCAT or the WHISPER technology or an ear tag or a rectal temperature or a combination of all of them, randomized controlled research comparing targeted metaphylaxis to the traditional method of you know, all the animals in that population receiving it uh, versus maybe also having a, a negative control or a group that's randomized to receive metaphylaxis at a similar rate of what the technology is saying that the population needs so that we can understand and make sure that these methods are effective. If we're, you know, trying to target it, the outcome, the health outcome of the group of the population needs to be equivalent to the old method, which is to give the entire group an antimicrobial. And so that, that type of research, I hope will continue over the next couple of years. Hopefully there's more, you know, more evaluation with the microbiome um, and understanding if microbiome signature may be uh, correlated to, to health risk. And um, on, the, on the detection side too, just further evaluating the, the technologies to detect BRD will be important. You bring up a good point in there that the health outcome has to be similar because the sustainability of it is not, if you end up losing more animals, if you use less antibiotics, but you lose more animals, you still haven't reached the, the end goal. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And that's another big challenge because, you know, antimicrobial metaphylaxis on arrival is very effective. And so you have to be you have to have a, a test that is very good at predicting which animals may not need it. Kind of in closing, we've been asking people, since we know that the Angus business is a people business, the cattle business is a people business, um, tell us something good that's happened, whether personally or professionally to you here lately. Yeah, well, I guess, I don't know if this is pandemic driven or not, but I bought a bass boat and I've gotten into bass and tournament bass fishing which has been awesome. And I guess a take-home message that I would say about it is it's so great to have a hobby outside of work, especially in the beef cattle industry. We're so passionate about what we do and passionate about beef production. But I do think it's, it's, really, it's really good. It's good for our mental health and, and everything else just to have a hobby, something outside of work to do. And so that's been my good thing is, is I've gotten into tournament bass fishing and I've really enjoyed it. Excellent. I love that example. Have you had any luck at it? We're doing pretty good. So there's, it's a club and it's a tournament trail and we go to lakes all through, like all through pr pretty much West Texas, but some of the, some of the guys in the club have been in it 20 plus years and me and my partner are just, this is our first year, and we finished seventh and eleventh out of like thirty boats. So we're doing pretty good. 
That's excellent. And I guess if you've spent a, a day or a weekend on the water, you win no matter what. So yeah, you, you win no matter what. It's, it's nice to get a check um, to pay for some of the expenses, but it, it's what you win no matter what. So yeah. Excellent. Well, thanks again for joining us on today's podcast. Thank you. Thanks for listening today. If you want to read more about the technologies already in the works, read the February Angus Beef Bulletin article by the same name as this podcast, To Treat or Not to Treat. Not a subscriber? We can change that. Visit angusbeefbulletin.com or grab the link in the show notes. Let us help make your Angus Bulls work for you. If you like this show, or even if you've got some ideas for ways to improve, please leave us a comment, write a review, or share it with your friends. Until next time, this has been Angus at Work.